everyone, and welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I'm your host, Sarah Sin, tackling horror movies, peeling back the layers, and taking a deeper dive into them. Again, on the show, I don't just discuss my love of horror movies. I like to bring in the aspect and perspective of horror and history, how horror movies tend to reflect society's fears. And since I am a psychology major, I like to bring this aspect and perspective in as well and see how the horror movie I'm focusing on reflects psychology and mental health in any way. So February is ending and I'm going to end my theme of roses are red, violets are blue, till death do us part. So don't fuck with my heart with 2001's Valentine. And again, I apologize if I butcher any of these names. Directed by Jamie Blanks, starring Dennis Richards as Paige, David Boreanaz as Adam. I've had a crush on him since Buffy. Marley Shelton as Kate. Jessica Capshaw as Dorothy. Jessica Caulfield as Lily. Catherine Heigl as Shelley. Fulvio Cerce as Detective Vaughn. Hetty Burris as Ruthie. We got Daniel Cosgrove as Campbell. Johnny Whitworth as Max. I loved him in Empire Records. Woody Jeffries as Brian. So for horror and history, I think a big aspect is definitely like sins of the past. Like your past is going to come to bite you in the ass in the end. Your past is going to haunt you. And eventually you're going to have to pay for those sins. We got toxic, like basically toxicity, like toxic relationships, toxic men, toxic boyfriends, any kind of, and, and I mean relationships too, with like between girlfriends too, like, and all that stuff. And then the masks we wear, definitely like to hide our true selves, to hide who we once were, even trying to hide like the mask we put on who we think people think we are kind of idea. And I'll get into that later. Psychology and mental health. We got guilt, female sexuality, revenge, dishonesty, Erickson's is um, intimacy versus isolation, uh, deception, substance use disorder, more specifically alcoholism, body dysmorphic disorder, manipulation, vulnerability, and we have bullying. A lot of bullying in this movie. Sorry if you hear my papers wrestling people. It's going to happen. I have them all over the place. So I know I normally don't have more than one guest on my show, but I decided to invite my girl, and I'm always going to pronounce your name wrong. Is it Charzy? Charcy? Charcy. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. I just go by, I usually just say, I just think Luxy. So... Luxie is what everybody goes by, but Charcy Lux is derived from a video game from the old Diablo games, and Charcy was the blacksmith, so I've always been in love with that name. Oh, okay. That's cool. Well, anyways, this is who's on my show. She's one of my good friends. She has a show on YouTube, and she had just uploaded. It was kind of funny. I decided to do this movie, even though it was like, this is not really a movie I would cover in February, but it's one of those movies that... I've always loved, like, I've always loved this movie. People knock it down, but I'm like, I love this movie. It is Valentine's Month. It is does have relationships in it. It does have romance. It fits my theme. So I was like, I should do it. And as soon as I started researching the movie, you <laughs> uploaded it into YouTube for your review. And I was like, oh, well, I think we should just combine our forces and talk about the movie together so I I was so excited when you asked me because I mean obviously I've been a huge fan of your show and I love everything that you do you're a big part of as I put it you're either a part of my Monday or my Tuesday morning especially <laughs> when I'm driving to work and I'm listening to you and it's like I, you would think my coworkers would be used to me having my earbuds in my ear by now and just be like Shh, leave me alone I'm listening to my podcast leave me alone <laughs> 
but yeah, I am so honored to be here today and to be a part of your podcast and obviously to talk about Valentine because I'm like you, I'm a huge fan of this movie and it really doesn't get a lot of, of like conversations and everything and no, it's got, it needs more love. It like, really a lot does. more love. Like I definitely think that like I was one of those movies that I know is like the post scream meta whatever teen horror that came out that's supposed to be uh I don't know they all say post scream and I'm like I just like I love urban legend I think urban legend yeah it's great I think it's a great movie I think the concept's great I think the kills are great I think the ideas of using urban legends and I think valentine is the same thing the whole idea behind it is wonderful and it's well not wonderful I mean people are dying but it's a great movie is what I'm trying to say I know well (laughs) as a horror fan I know exactly where you're at with that and what's and I love urban legends as well it's one of my comfort films down the road one of my themes is going to be which thank you so much because of you is exactly (laughs) why I'm doing themes now (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Oh my God, it has helped me. Like, I've been so scatterbrained. And when I'm like, when I've been listening to you, and I'm like, why don't I do themes? And I finally have had a schedule and have been able to actually like progress. And so, you are the huge reason of why I've been able to do themes and doing so much better on my own channel. So, thank you. Well, I mean, that's why I chose themes is I was like, if I just try to pick movies, I'm not going to be able to like hone in and focus. I'm going to be like you scatterbrained. So I was like, Mm -hmm. if I have a theme, then I could put a list of like, I usually pick 10 movies. And from there, I sift through and see what's on, you know, the streaming channels. And then I pick from there. And sometimes I have to rent a movie or download it. So, but most of the time I just go by, I pick 10, have my theme and there we go. And it just made things easier for for me. <laughs> That's why I did it. <laughs> exactly. So I'm super excited for when, like, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be a couple months down the road, but one of my themes is going to be urban legends. So I'm excited for that one too. Yeah, definitely research like the legends behind them because the mm-hmm. actual stories are usually creepier. So that's what I like. I, I grew up on reading urban legends. So when urban legend came out, I was like, yay. Yeah. I actually covered that movie a long time ago. So <laughs> I was listening when I was listening to your show, I was laughing because you're like, when this movie came out, I was in junior high and I was like, oh my God, I graduated in 2001. Like, I was like, yeah. how old am I? I'm- what was weird is that in 2001, when they're talking about that they were in junior high for that movie, that's when I was in junior high. It was 2001. <laughs> I'm like, I graduated. But then, but I do remember, I don't think I saw this in the theater, but I do remember seeing it when it first came out. Which is why, like, the first thing I want to talk about, because I think it's a big, again, sorry if you hear my papers rustling, people. The I think the basis of this show really is about, like I said, the sins of the past. Like, this is really yeah. about, like, people's past coming to bite them in the ass. So, literally. Like, I'll go over really quickly, even though you already know, but in case no one else knows, the opening of the movie, we had, it's 1988, which I was six years old. Yep, six years old. It's the Valentine's Day dance. We have our five main group of girls. They're in sixth grade. Um, this little boy, Jeremy Mountain, who is obviously the one who gets picked on. You know, he's kind of, I would quote, like the reject, which is so mm-hmm. sad to say. But you can tell, like, he's the one that people don't like <clears throat> for whatever reason. So he keeps going to each girl and asking them to dance. He asks, like, Shelly. And she's like, in your dreams, loser. And then you have, like, Lily, who's like, ew. 
And Paige, who's like, I'd rather be boiled alive. But then you have, like, sweet Kate, who's like, well, maybe later, Jeremy. Like, you know, and she wasn't mean or rude. And then he asks Dorothy, the, you know, the, I'll say, quote, fat girl, because I'm going to get into that later, Mm -hmm. um, accepts. They go under the bleachers. They start making out. A group of boys catches them. And instead of saying, like, yeah, we're making out, leave us alone, Dorothy's like, oh, my God, he attacked me. The boys beat him up, his nose bleeds, and that's where our story starts. It moves on to 13 years later. And again, we're introduced to the five girls again. Yes. They're his tormentors. So that's where the basis of the movie starts. So the one thing I do like about this movie is that you already know who the killer is. You know it's Jeremy. But now you're trying to figure out, well, who who is Jeremy? Yeah, who is Jeremy? You know it's Jeremy. But you don't know which one of the boyfriends yeah. is which, it now. <laughs> exactly. Like who is it? Who became Jeremy? So that's one thing I like about it. But yeah, this is really about like the sins of the past. And I had a whole theory. Now I I watched your show again. And I was like, crap. I feel like my theory doesn't make sense now. Um. <laughs> yeah, because I have my own theories, and I did so much research on this one. Because I'm like you, I enjoy this one. And when I started watching documentaries on it and just seeing the behind the scenes, because yeah. I love watching the old, old movies. And when you're you're talking with like Denise Richards and Janie yeah. Blanks, and all of them are giving their points and views, and it's like. I didn't even think about that. Like with Jamie Blanks, when he starts talking about, oh yeah, by the way, the bullies technically were all killed, but they were killed off screen beforehand. And they kind of, right. Jeremy had killed his parents in the fire, but, but this is about the revenge on the girls. and right. So I know exactly what you mean, but <laughs> I was interested to know your theories on it too, especially if they're different from mine, because Jeremy's an interesting character. <laughs> he really is. And that's what I mean. Like, they're, these are, the, like, again, the sins of the past. I'll jump into my theory in just a second. Because I didn't think about the boys being killed. I just thought the girls were focused on for mm-hmm. a completely different reason. And, again, I'll get into that. But it's the whole idea of, like, these girls, except for Kate. I, I like to exclude Kate because she's, like, the only one who never gets a, a letter from Jeremy. She's never... Yep chased down by the killer she's never fixated on by the killer the killer leaves her alone it's the other four that he goes after but even 13 years later these girls are still really mean about him i even wrote it down i'm like crap where is it now sorry but you have Paige and lily talking about it and she was like lily i'm kidding and she's like no well who's jerry melton and she's like remember pervert yeah 60 pounds she's like book teeth and I was like, really, this many years later, like, you're still picking on a kid that it's been 13 years. Like, yeah. come on. And, then and I we... think it, Paige was the only one in that conversation that stopped and said, yeah, but we were really mean to that kid. Yeah. But yeah, Lily was yeah. like, as soon as she remembers, she's <laughs> like making fun of him. And it's like, God, that's exactly how people were back then. Yeah. But also the same on the same breath, when Detective Vaughn asks her, that's who's Jeremy Melton. Paige is the first one to be like some loser from sixth grade. So like, yep. even though she recognizes yep. that they were terrible people, horrible to him, she still looks at him as a loser. So it's like this, this whole idea of like, this is something from 13 years ago. Yeah, and you're still, still viewing them as, as a loser. <laughs> yeah. As a loser, they're still seen as a loser. And it's like, it's been 13 years. People change and people move on. And it's like, but you're, they're holding on to this image of him from that dance 
probably because in their mind they still think that he actually did assault Dorothy. Yep. Which we find out is a lie. Untrue. (laughs) Because Dorothy finally says, because Paige, they're leaving Vaughn's, and Paige is like, Dorothy, he did attack you. And she's like, Right? (laughs) She's like, no. Um, Jeremy was the only one who looked at me that night. Do you guys remember what I looked like? I was the fat girl. And she goes on and on. And then she's like, so I said he attacked me. I was embarrassed. And it's just like, so the whole movie, it's just like this poor kid from 13 years ago. The girls are now the ones fixated on. But I didn't know about the boy bullies. That didn't even cross my mind because, and I think, sorry, I'm like jumping all around. I think my whole, so I guess I'll just say my theory. My theory, after reading some reviews, a lot of reviews said they thought Adam's alcoholism was a ruse so Kate could see him as vulnerable. Oh. And that he had been seeking her out for a very long time. And I said, nope, I actually don't believe that. I believe his alcoholism was a coping mechanism for all the shit he went through from reform school to juvenile hall to a mental hospital. Alcohol became his coping mechanism. He a crutch as well. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I don't think he's thought Kate out I think he ran into her eventually realized who she was didn't want to say who he was so lies about it and that the whole I don't think he's been planning this for 13 years I think seeing being with Kate who he's always loved and then realizing she's still friends with these like shitty people the kind people of hates. yeah triggered the trauma and that's where his brain started going to, oh, my God, I have to, if I want to be with Kate, I have to relive this trauma over and over again. And then Kate says, oh, we need to take a break. And I think that was his breaking point was that in his mind, because it's very much known right off the bat that none of the girls like Adam. They all are like, oh, he's an alcoholic. He's this. And I'm like, well, first of all, he's hot. It's David Boreanaz. <laughs> like, who's going to say no to that? Second of all alcoholism is something that can be taken care of like it's something that people get help for but they don't like him so I my whole theory was breaking point she wants to take space from him he thinks the girls are behind it so in order to be with Kate he has to eliminate the girls get rid of them so him and Kate can be together a really good theory <laughs> that's, that's my whole theory a lot of sense. <laughs> Because every time, because even when they were sitting and getting the drinks to, well, no, they weren't getting drinks. They were getting the club sodas together and they were having that conversation and she was bringing up Gary. And that was one of the theories where they're like, well, why did Gary die? Well, Kate tells him the story about where she was saying scary Gary and what he was doing. So what happens in the next scene is that you're seeing Gary get attacked and killed. So Jeremy obviously is very protective of Kate. So it would, your theory is very solid, very valid (laughs) in the fact of I need to get rid of these girls because they're tainting Kate. (laughs) That's pretty much what it was. Like he just saw them as, you know, because Kate's always been the nice one. Like she's, I don't, you know, because like I said, he never sent her a letter. But, but as you all know, we're basically telling you that's Jeremy Melton, just so you know. Yes. We'll get into more of that later. But that was <laughs> yes. my whole, that was my whole theory. But I, now I'm thinking, I'm like, if I had known about the boys being killed, I mean, they still could have been killed because they say Kate and him have only been together a year. But 
that was pretty I much mean, my theory. There was quite a bit of time yeah. for him to be triggered and finally seeking revenge on all the people. If he started with the bullies, yeah. and like I said, that was just through an interview with Jamie Blanks himself, and that because a lot of questions were always, why did he only seek revenge on these girls? Where technically it was the bullies who initiated the humiliation in front of everybody, but obviously his focus would be on the girls because of that evening. But yeah, that it started with the bullies and then that the fire with his parents was supposed mm-hmm. to be because in a deleted scene that nobody would see that you would see that his parents were pretty awful, vile people as well. Yeah. And so then you get to the four girls and how he seeks his revenge on them. And that even like how I'd said in my review that through my studying and that because I didn't even realize right away that he was killing them all off in the same way that they had turned him down and he would do it in the same order. And it's like, Oh, that's pretty clever. (laughs) I didn't actually, I didn't even catch on to that. I mean, I knew I, yeah, I didn't even catch on to that. That's good. That's a good, that's good. Yeah. Think of that. See, like through my research and it's like, Oh my God, because yeah. um, Shelly who says in your dreams, loser, she gets killed by getting her throat slut or slut. <laughs> Sorry, I have been drinking tonight. <laughs> getting okay. her throat slit while she was laying down. And then you had Lily who was killed and she said you and she was given the box of chocolate that was filled with maggots and yes. she was shot with the bow and arrows and she was thrown into a dumpster. Okay, yeah. Um, then you had Paige, who, of course, hers is the most famous one. Yeah. I'd rather be boiled alive. And she's electrocuted in a hot tub. <laughs> and That's then um, Dorothy's is the infamous one of she at the dance had said, hey, um, he attacked me. But she lied. He, she obviously give, gave consent beforehand and then yeah. turned around and said that he attacked her. So... He made the ultimate revenge for her, which should I let you give that one away? (laughs) I was going to actually, that was going to be my kind of my segue into the masks we wear is that whole idea, which is mad. Well, I mean, technically Jeremy and her wear pretty good masks themselves. So there's where yeah, hold on, I gotta go look for my notes. I'm so had, I, I was trying to see if all of them had masks, and I was like, not really, because Lily is kind of herself, Kate's herself. We don't know much about Shelly because she dies right away. Yeah. And I was like Kate's mask, she kind of does have one where all the friends assume that she's this whore of a character. That's she's what I said. Yeah. Very assertive and intelligent woman. So, I mean, she's yeah. kind of got a mask herself. But I think she kind of wears that mask too. I think a lot yeah. of it too is like being a very strong, you know, it's female sexuality, like mm-hmm. being comfortable in her sexuality. And that's her mask. But the truth is, she really wants to find a relationship just as much as all the other girls do. Because that's another thing I noticed is like yeah. all the girls want relationships. So that's kind of like her mask. That's why I said like, Erickson's intimacy versus isolation that's the stage of life they're in which is the whole stage is forming connections making relationships whether through friendships a lot of them is like trying to find stability in a partner and all that otherwise it leads to isolation loneliness and depression 
So everyone that's that's usually usually the stage people find the person they're going to spend their life with. They start having kids and they start doing that. All of them are trying to do that in a way. Paige, though, like you said, it's like everyone, it's that whole scene where Dorothy's like, you let guys in with, you know, into your pants. You didn't know their last name. And she's like, you don't have to be a bitch. And then yeah. Vaughn's like, while we're oh, on the topic, the Dorothy, yeah, what's Campbell's last name? And she's just like, <laughs> I don't have to do this. And then like storms off so dramatically. But yeah, I think Paige has that. But I like Paige because her friends paint that picture of her. Yet the two times we see anyone make advances on her. She's like, mm, she him down. Yeah. Like Vaughn, where she's like, get your hand off my side. Yes. <laughs> like, she wants to be treated with respect. Yeah. And, well, she's a flirty person. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you could just walk all over her. And, and, no. and that's the biggest thing with her. She wants to be treated with respect still. Yes. But yeah. But Brian, Brian was funny, though, because I was like, he is kind of hot. And then she's like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I laugh every time I hear, I see the scene because it just makes me laugh. And she's like, you brought me upstairs to show me your penis. Congratulations. How thoughtful. <laughs> like, that's so sweet. And he's just like, well, like, wax it. And then she dumps the wax on him. But that's the mask I keep thinking she wears. Like you said, like, they paint this picture of her. But that's not really who she is. She oh, And even yeah. if she was, who cares? But it's just the whole idea that, like, I think deep down inside, she's just trying to find a good guy. But. Again, I said a lot of toxic relationships in this movie. Yes. That's all she finds is toxic men. And that's and then, a big part of this movie is yeah. just the toxic men that they're kind of focusing on for this one. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'll get into that too. Dorothy's, <laughs> Dorothy's mask is the one I found, I think, the most interesting. Because she... She's the one who wears the mask of what she thinks people sees her as yes. because she's the one. And I even wrote down this one little scene because the way she says it just made me, my heart go, oh, I'm so sorry that you still think that about yourself. But she's talking to Kate and it's way towards the end of the movie. And she's like, I mean, why? Why should I, the fat girl, get a turn, huh? And Kate's like, wow, like, what are you even talking about? And she's like, come on, Kate. You've always been the popular one, and Shelly was always the brainy one, and Lily was the fun one, and Paige was the sexy one. She's like, and I was the big, fat one. And as far as I'm concerned, that's how you all see me, basically. And that's her mask. It's like she keeps hiding it, it, to the point where I think she really does suffer from, like, body dysmorphic disorder because yes. she's absolutely beautiful. She's obviously not fat. And even if she was fat, who cares? Be big and beautiful anyways. But the whole point is, like, that's her mask is that she keeps hiding behind this idea that that's how people see her is still as quote the fat girl that's her mask she continues continuously wears and she's stuck yeah and it makes perfect sense to me because it's like thinking on the same lines of where I was a bigger kid when I was in junior high and I apologize if you hear hear the scratching of my cat in the background that's okay cats are fun she, she always wants attention. And I mean, if anybody's seen my videos, you've seen my cat pop in from time to time. But Dorothy's the type of person and I can understand because when I was in junior high, I was a bigger kid. And it's one of those things where you do you even years later after losing weight, becoming successful at a career and knowing that you're not the person you were, you still sometimes get stuck in that mindset, except hers. I think just still being friends with the same people that she was friends with before, which I'm still not even 100% sure if she was 
friends with him in junior high if she didn't lose the weight and then became friends with him. But they yeah. always they hung out in the past. So that's yeah. where my confusion always was with them. It's like, was she friends with him or did yeah. she? But it's her mind was always stuck in that mindset. So it's always interesting to think about it in those terms. But yeah, her mask was always the one of I'm stuck with what I used to be and not being able to focus on what she was or what she could be. Yeah. Like it's, she's not moving forward either. Like she's not yes. able to move exactly. forward. Cause that's the mask. Like I said, she wears, mm-hmm. she wears the mask of what she thinks people perceive her as, even though she's not. Yeah. So that was the, I think for me, she had the most interesting, she's actually, Paige is my favorite character. I'm going to say that. Like I loved Paige, but Dorothy was like, very <laughs> yeah. Paige was just fun. And who, I mean, how can you not love Denise Richards? I mean, exactly. she was also in super, not super troopers. Um, so I could picture in Stormship super- Troopers. That's it. Yes. Starship Troopers. Sorry. Whatever that one is with the alien bugs. <laughs> yep. Starship Troopers. Thank you. That one. And I loved her in that one too. And wild things. And wild things. <laughs> like, I just, I just love her in general. So I'm like, she's my favorite character. But Dorothy, I think I found the most interesting because her, like, letting Cam, even just letting Campbell in was like, he saw a sucker written right on her forehead. Nope. Like he fixated and saw a girl who was so desperate and I hate using the word desperate, but so desperate for love and desperate for someone to want to be with her and not see her as who she used to be, even though she keeps that mask on, um, that she just lets this guy in because, and, but he knew he saw her. He was like, Oh, there's someone I can take complete advantage of. I'm going to take all her money. She, and you know, she's going to let me do what I want. And she does. Like, that's what's sad is that she does. And it's it's scary that obviously there are people out there that they can just latch on to people that it's like. But at the same time, she was even told and forewarned by, oh, God, I can't think of her name now. She's Ruthie. played by um, Hedy Buris. Ruthie. Uh, Ruthie. Yeah, that Ruthie comes in and even forewarns her. And even when she's wearing Ruthie's necklace that Camden gave her, and she's mm-hmm. like, that's my necklace that he stole from me, and it's still going woo over her yeah. head. And it's it's a scary thing, but people know how to manipulate and find the people that are going to be, like you said, a sucker. And yeah. they're just able to manipulate them. And they're completely vulnerable. She was She's another person who's very vulnerable, like... I just, but I did like her character. I just, I kind of felt bad for her. Cause I'm like, she's so, like you said, she's so much more than what she sees herself as. Exactly. Like she's so much more, so has so much more potential. Cause I was even thinking, does she even have a job or she just live off her parents' money? She, she was the only one that I wasn't sure. Like all the other girls were, you knew they had a successful career. You didn't yeah. necessarily know, except for Kate, I think is the one that we knew she was some kind of a journalist or something. Cause that's how she met Adam and they both were yeah. using paper. And then Lily, I forgot what she does, but that's whatever she does is how she met Max. Yeah. Paige has a job, but, and then Shelly's in med school, finishing up med school, but Dorothy's the only one I was like, does she even have a job or is she just, which is fine too. I mean, either way, but I'm just like, does she even have a job? Like anything? She's got a nice trust fund that Camden was siphoning money out of. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But Dorothy, yeah, she's the one I said I had, think had the most interesting mask. I think Paige had that mask. And then, of course, we have Adam, who really is Jeremy Melton. Yes. Who has this great speech at the end. So 
we find out, so we're supposed to give that, we get that red herring at the end where like Kate's being attacked by the killer, but where's the cherub mask, which is another thing I love about this movie is that a lot of people think it's the cherub mask because, oh, Cupid's are associated with Valentine's Day, which yes, they are, but they're also the bringers of love. And this movie is not, is not about that. It's about killing someone. Like it's about murder and revenge, which is complete opposite of falling in love and being with someone. (laughs) So that's why I like the cherub mask is because it's completely like going against what it metaphorically would represent, which is love and relationships and finding that person. Instead, it's about revenge and manipulation and dishonesty and murder revenge out (laughs) like so it's so i like that because a lot of people just think oh it's just it's stupid because it's about valentine's day and cupid's like no it's actually very i think very intelligent and i think it was very intentional that they did that that way because you associated with that but the truth is that's not at all what the movie's about at all it's not about love about complete opposite but then they fall down the stairs and then the killer stands up and Adam ends up grabbing the gun that Kate originally had in her hand, must have fallen out when she fell down the stairs, and shoots him, and then demasks him, and it's Dorothy. And I do like the line because, again, this is like talks about Adam, but also talks about Dorothy because she's Kate says like I don't understand, like I don't understand why she would kill all these people. And again, she I had to break. She was the happiest she's been, and yeah, like she like we all loved yeah. her, and then. Adam says this great line, because I'm like I said, it, it goes on Dorothy, but it also talk he's actually really talking about himself too. And he's like, All I can think is I had to write it down. If someone is that lonely and that angry, then they learn to hide it, but inside it never dies. It just stays there, eats away at you, till one day you have to do something about it. And she's like, But we were all her friends, we all liked her. And he's like, Sometimes that's not enough, I guess. And I'm like, he's not only talking about himself, but in a way he is still talking about Dorothy. Yeah. Because that's all her too. Like it's the idea of her being again that mask of the fat girl, like eating away at her and eating away at her to the point like she just blows up at all her friends and becomes yep. like this raging bitch. But at the same time, he's talking about himself that this is what's happening to him. But I think for me, it's not, he's not talking about the thirteen years. I really think he's talking about the fact that he found Kate. He falls in love with her all over again. He realizes she's still surrounding herself with all these toxic girls. And that starts eating away at him because he's reliving that trauma over and over again. And then again, like I said, she wants to take a break. He thinks the girls are most likely behind it because they don't like him. So he has to get rid of them. So that's where it's like some, he had to do something about it. So I like that little line he gives because I'm like, he's not just talking about himself. He's talking about Dorothy. But again, it does go with my theory of like, I don't think it was 13 years of revenge. I think it was reliving trauma and having a breaking point. And that that triggered it, which makes perfect sense because which goes online where have my thought became where it's like finding out that his revenge seeking out goes in line with every trigger that happened from how they turned him down to Dorothy's revenge, which was... Dorothy's was the ultimate one of, so what did Dorothy do to him back in the day? She accused him of attacking her when, in turn, he didn't attack her. Everything was consensual. Mm -hmm. So ultimate revenge was to make everybody think Dorothy was the killer, even though it was him. But now everybody assumed it was her. So he flip-flopped it. So now everybody's assuming this thing of her that she didn't do 
But it was also easy to do because of the fact of, especially that last fight that she had with Kate, it was easy for him to say, oh, well, this is exactly how she's feeling, which in turn probably was exactly how she still was feeling anyways, because not only for having resent towards her friends for the past, she also was very remorseful for what she had done to Jeremy and that he had gone to mental health problems and yeah. everything else that had happened. Obviously, we know about the alcoholism, which mm-hmm. happened as well. So it's a huge, perfect catastrophe of <laughs> things that happened that it would make perfect sense that he'd find Kate and be like, oh, I love this person and I always appreciated her, but she's still with these awful people. So it just made that boiling point. Of course, if he has alcoholism, it'd be easier to trigger it in the first place. So mm-hmm. yeah, he just, it's what sparked the uh, revenge and where it went from there. So yeah, it's its two great theories that it makes perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> I just can't do the, I just can't think of things as like a longevity of revenge plotting because i talked about this for terror train the whole idea that people thought that the character of kenny would plot for three years to get back at his tormentors which my whole theory wasn't that my theory was that he loved magic but he was also um transgender so he finally gets to be his true self by being a woman Mm-hmm. who as a magician's assistant you still have to know just as much as magic about magic as the magician does because you have to assist him so he gets to be his live his ultimate life that he has always wanted well she has always wanted yep and then he gets this gig um the magician gets the gig kenny's along with it and then he has to fade his tormentors all over again has to relive that trauma i don't think it was three years of seeking revenge it was a trigger facing tormentors yeah Mm -hmm. trauma and he snaps and that's what i thought but this movie too is like i highly doubt someone would plot for 13 years to get back at people i think it was more of like again like you have to face your trauma and you face your tormentors and sometimes that's that's hard for a lot of people to do you know they have to face that and relit it's more it's reliving that moment all over again because that did fuck him up like yeah he was accused of something that never happened he has to go to reform school then he gets in a fight which sends him to jail which is juvenile hall from there he's you know told he's crazy so he has to go to a mental hospital no wonder he uses alcohol as a coping mechanism but i highly doubt he spent 13 years plotting a revenge against (laughs) these girls and i was thinking about this you said something and i was like oh wait that makes sense and then i forgot till just now even if he didn't kill the bullies, the boy bullies, I would say the reason why he fixates on the girls is because there's a moment where Kate's reading the actual police report. And if you, you, I paused it and took a picture of it. If you read it, the only girl who's not on there is Kate. The rest of them made statements. Paige made a statement. Lily made a statement. Dorothy makes a statement on there. And Shelly does. All four of them made statements against Jeremy Melton. So that would in, make perfect in sense. the police report. So I was like, well, that would be the reason why he probably went after them. But now I'm thinking too, like, why wouldn't he go after the boys either? But I could see now with the girls, it's probably because their names are on the actual on the police report. report against him. But Kate's not. Kate's the only one who's not on there. So it, Kate was always the one that was just nice to him to begin with. So it makes sense. But he's still 
my here's my segue again, but he is still a toxic man. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> this movie is chock full of them. And we, and we start with lovely, lovely. Well, not Brian. It's um, Jason Marquette. Jason. Oh, my God. Jason. Jason likes to dress. <laughs> <laughs> and he does the whole thing where he's on the date. So he's on the date with Shelly. And you can tell, it's a, like you said, it's a blind date. Yes. And he talks in third person, which I never understand. I still get creeped out when people talk in third person. I don't I know why. Do. It just, it freaks me out. <laughs> and, and he's going on and on about like evolution. He's like, Jason looks for a hot female who can produce, you know, children because I'm hot. You know, Jason's hot and successful. And it's just evolution because, you know, hot, basically like hot people look for a hot partner to create hot offspring. <laughs> Like, it's basically all he's saying is, like, that's literally what he's saying to her. And she's just like, check, please. She's so so over it. And she has, like, the best line. She goes, I'm not a doctor yet, but I would say you seek help and seek it soon. (laughs) And and it's not the third person that he's toxic about. It's just, you can just tell, like, he's so narcissistic. Yes. And very full of himself. And Mm -hmm. very, like, just thinks because... He's Jason Marquette. Somehow Shelly's going to fall in love with him and bear his children. And then as soon as she rejects him, he just turns around, like you said, and looks at that girl and is like, Jason likes your dress. And I'm just like, <laughs> seriously? Like, You just got dumped and you're just moving on. Okay. You do. And you, there you are. <laughs> Toxic male. And, and so I'm like, so Shelly, there's her. And then she dies. Lily's toxic male, which I find yeah. funny because oh my God, yeah. I like the character of Max. Mm-hmm. like a quick rundown they're in that maze that blind date maze yes and they're making out and then this girl shows up and starts walking up and she's like who the fuck is that and he's like oh i invited her to join in with us and she's like oh my god you're a sleazeball and you're this and he's like yeah you but you knew that <laughs> about me so a part of me is like in a way is he really a toxic man because at least he was upfront with who he is yeah and that. Uh- Because even from the get-go, like, the thing that made me uncomfortable with him the most was, like, when being introduced to the friends, and he's, like, clearly hitting on them. But once again, Paige, just on a dime, is like, okay, that's enough, Max. Yeah. (laughs) You've made your point. (laughs) Right. That's true, yeah. But at least he was like, but you knew that about me. Like, you... So at least he's, so I'm thinking too, like, Lily, if you already knew that, what made you think you're, but I guess, I don't know if you ever went through this, but I know I've been the girl here and there who thought I'm going to be the girl that changes the sky. Yeah. I never was. He's not going to want threesomes anymore. No, I'm, I'm going to change him and chain (laughs) him down and I'm going to make him be in a relationship. And so I'm wondering if that's what Lily's doing. Cause again, like I said, they're in that stage of life of, intimacy versus isolation like she wants to find someone he's like no this is who I am well no I'm I'm good enough that you're gonna change for me but no he's not so it still makes him toxic but it's just the idea of like I've been that girl where I was like I'm that great that I'm gonna change his mind no no I didn't they married other women (laughs) Uh, yeah the the guy of but that is true when you it's weird when you think about it where it's like I should be good enough that you shouldn't want validation from anybody else yeah 
And of course, with Max's character, we don't really find out until that point that Lily knew that he was this type of way. That's kind of the first indication. Because while you're watching it and thinking, oh, he's really repulsive. He's hitting on her friends in front of her. He invites his, I I think it's his assistant, Amy, to join him. Secretary or something. Yeah. And, but when he says that line, yeah, but you knew that. And then, yeah, now you're saying that, that it's like. But also at the same time, like later on, he's showing up at the party at Dorothy's house. And once again, he's still just trying to get with Kate. And it's like, are you concerned about your girlfriend being missing or anything? <laughs> but he does ask where Lily is, though. That he's is like, true. is anybody seeing Lily? True. And they're like, no, she's in L.A. He's like, no, I actually, I'm actually a good person and called her office. I'm like, you girl. <laughs> I kind of do like I that. Know. It's kind of like. Oh no, she's in LA, Detective Vaughn. She's in LA, and he's like, I actually called the office. She never made it. Like, I'm kind of when he says that, I'm like, oh snap! Yeah, you guys are really good friends, are you? Yeah, that even the detective didn't technically reach out to talk to Lily. That's true. (laughs) Max is the only one that's like, so by the way, but yeah, and then Paige has. So we have Shelley with Jason. Lily has Max, and then Paige, we see her again, with, like I said, with Detective Vaughn. I have to admit, the scene between them, I don't know how those two weren't laughing the whole time doing that scene, where he's like, oh my gosh. Paige, what are we going to do about this? She's like, this? And he's like, what? Tension. <laughs> tension? The sexual tension. <laughs> and I'm just like, ew, no. And then he gets, like, all up close to her, and he's like, says something i forgot what he said he says something she's like get your hand off my thigh <laughs> and then she shows up at kate's house like oh detective Vaughn's gross <laughs> like he put his hand on my thigh and then kate's like well did you let him <laughs> <laughs> what do you think i don't know <laughs> just the fact that that was her first reaction was like well did something like i don't know if those are exact words but she's just like well did you let him like were you like I don't understand the circumstances, Paige, because apparently you let anyone into your pants, according See, to all the friends. That's the thing that would drive me nuts is that it's like from watching the Detective Vaughn thing and seeing how Paige, yeah, Paige is a very flirty, upfront person, but she's not also one of those people like, oh, you can take advantage of me and touch me whenever you want and just assume that you can have sex with me when you want. No, it's not, and like, I, it's like yeah. you said in your video, like it's on her terms. Yeah. And then for her to reach out to her friend and talk about it. And it's like how Kate's just like, well, he's the Atlanta. And I'm just thinking <laughs> in my head, like, bitch, really? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've had friends like that. Oh, I think I went through a phase where I was a page, or at least my friend thought I was a page. I think we've yeah. all done. I we've think all through that phase, but yeah, assume you're that way, and it's like, you know what? Fine, whatever. I just let him yeah. touch me for no just, <laughs> Oh yeah, because no, no. So when Kate, I just remembered now when Kate says that, she's like, "What do you think?" or something like that, and she's like, "I don't know." Like, <laughs> I don't know, Paige. We know you. And then the whole Brian thing, like you said, like he shows up at this party. They're dancing. And then they dance for, like, I don't know, a whole five seconds before yep. he's like, I have a surprise for you. And he brings up to them. And that's when she's like, you brought me upstairs to show to me show your penis. penis. <laughs> like, that's so sweet. And he's just, like, just assume like, he showed up. I'm like, you could have at least, like, hung out with her for, like, a little bit before you brought her into the bedroom. This is literally, like, he shows up, says hi, touches her butt, brings her upstairs. It was, like, it took him, like, 60 seconds. And 
it's one of those things where you're thinking in your head, like when I think about the time frame of when it happened, because I mean, nowadays we're thinking in 2023 brain, we're like, okay, if a guy's just going to take you upstairs right away, just look at them and be like, no, I'm going to stay downstairs in the crowd and we're going to dance. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. But in the old brain, it's like, oh, you want to take me upstairs for a surprise? What is that going to be? And it literally was the reaction of, oh, you're going to show me your penis. Thanks, dude. And of yeah. course, he does the classic line of, well, what are you waiting for, honey? Are you going to wax it? But then, of course, we get the classic of, well, she does wax it for him. <laughs> yeah, just not how he wanted it. Yeah, just not the waxing he was expecting. <laughs> he was pretty cute, though. He was very cute. He's I think he aged well, too, so... Yes, I looked him up too. I was like, wow, he does look he, really he still good. He looks just, good. <laughs> yeah, just throwing that out there. But yeah, Paige. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was great. That was a good scene. I do like that. And then she goes into the hot tub and then we, she, like you said, she dies. I think the two, I, I would definitely say I think the most toxic would be, excuse me, would be Dorothy's Campbell. Because like I said, he's the one who is very manipulating saw like I said saw I hate saying the word sucker I feel like I'm being mean to Dorothy but I'm not like people excuse me there's a lot and and this goes both ways I'm not saying women don't do this either women do this just as much as men but for the sake of this movie I'm talking about toxic boyfriends so I'm going to use male they've they just they know like they see someone who like I said has sucker yeah vulnerable sucker written on their forehead they know they can take advantage of them they know they can manipulate them they know they can get them to do whatever they want and that they're going to get what they want he saw a rich girl who's still incredibly insecure about herself because he said because she says they met at yoga and in yoga i mean you got to wear some you know you got to wear tight stuff because you're moving your body and you're doing all this stuff like you can't be wearing like sweatpants and a sweatshirt you got to be able to move so she's probably already very self-conscious when she's at yoga a cute guy starts talking to her and of course she's like oh my god someone hot is interested in me but I'm the fat girl like how could he like me but again like he like zoned right in and saw like I said sucker vulnerability you know easy to manipulate she's desperate for love like I know I can get what I want from her and he just slides right in and it's unfortunately the same scheme that we see time and time again with, um, as we call elderly abuse with the sweetheart yeah, yeah. scam, where mm-hmm. you have people that it, it's a horrible thing that's going on right now, where people are suckering these poor elderly people who are lonely mm-hmm. and just looking for attention and love. And it's the exact same thing, like what Camden did to Dorothy is he's coming in and he's finding somebody. And it's like, you don't want to feel this way about somebody being vulnerable in that. Because we look at Dorothy as this beautiful person. But it is unfortunate that she is still this insecure girl from the past that she's looking at this Camden guy as, oh, this this guy's like this this God-looking person. And why would he be talking to me? And now he's my boyfriend. And not realizing that well this guy's a sleaze ball and that he just kind of I guess faked his because she kept saying that this was an exclusive club that he was in at this yoga class but yeah 
So it, it was just kind of one of those weird things that he must have been manipulating his way into things so that he could sucker her. And obviously he'd done it before because he did it to this roofie girl. So he's yep. very good at what he did. He's a con artist, sweet yep. talker. So my mom would say they know how to sweet talk you into anything. Yeah. Yep, and that's that's the thing. They they know. They really do know. It's like what you said. You you don't want to talk in a way about Dorothy because we view her as this beautiful person that is I mean, obviously she's rich rich and everything and she's intelligent because she's obviously not a nobody or anything yeah. like that. But she was stuck at this point from the past. But even when she was the young Dorothy, like even when they're showing them from when they were in junior high and that, it's like you're looking at this little Dorothy. It's like she's this adorable little girl. I honestly, I didn't even think she was fat, like to be quite honest. And again, like there's nothing wrong with being big and beautiful. I have some of my most, I will say my most beautiful friends are bigger and and they're gorgeous. and, And I mean, like, I mean, beautiful. Like, so there's nothing wrong with being big and beautiful. I think you should just always, I, I should take my own advice that I should be happy with myself, but you know, I don't, but I'm just saying in general, like be happy with yourself. Like, and if you do want to work out, like I'm doing, do it for yourself. Don't do it for anyone else. But yes, Dorothy is like stuck in this, like she's stuck in the past. Like there's the sins of the past coming back, but she's stuck in this, this a loophole. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And she's just not even able to like, move forward which is why Campbell is easy to can just slip right in yep so he's he's the ultimate toxic I, mean, I think yeah I think I would definitely say more than the, more than Adam because yeah even if we took away for a second like the Jeremy Melton aspect like Adam does come off as probably the perfect boyfriend because yeah. even though he has a problem it's a problem that can be worked on and worked through because there's rehab there's therapy there's all these different things he can do, you know, to the AA, there's the 12 step program. There's something he can do to move forward from this problem. So to me, it's not a detrimental problem. Yeah. But, you know, he shows up at the funeral and even says like, I'm not good at this. I don't know what to do, but I, I knew you need, you needed a friend right now. Like I knew you needed someone. He's like, I know we're taking a break, but I know you need someone. And that was very sweet. And then, you know, there's the scene where, the club soda where first she orders a Corona and then changes it to a club soda because he's not drinking. And they're like joking with each other. And he's talking about the creepy neighbor. He's like, don't be late, Kate, you're top rate Kate. And they're like tickling and joking. (laughs) And like, he's very, very sweet. And then they have the moment where they're talking about before, actually when she's reading the police report first, he shows up and is like, oh, are you ready? And she's like, what? And he's like, oh, we had a date. Did you forget? That's okay. Like, he's like, that's all right. She's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. And, and they go on there. Understanding. Yeah. And then he asks her to the dance. He's like, it's okay. Like, if you don't want to, I get it. And it's like, he's very, very sweet. But then you find out who he really is. And it's like, is he really sweet? Like, I, I like to believe that he is that person. And like, my theory is correct, which is just, he snapped, but still he's toxic because he never told her the truth. He never told her he was Jeremy Melton. He lied and said his parents are alive and they do this and this. Like, I think one's like a dentist and one's a lawyer or something like that. Something yeah. crazy like that. And you know, that he's never, he never was honest with her. Like he's hiding behind, like his mask is Adam Carr. Like you can, you can change your name. You can get plastic surgery 
you can do all these things, but you are still who you are. Like he is still Jeremy Melton. He's not the Jeremy Melton from sixth grade. He's, but he's still Jeremy Melton. Like, but so he's still lying to her, completely lying, and then kills all her friends. So he's still a toxic male. Yes. He's sad because I just love him <laughs> in this movie. And I remember the first time I ever saw this movie, I was like, oh my God, it's him. It's David Boreanaz because he's the name. He's the big name. It has to be him. You're watching the movie. And you're like, it's got to be him. It can't be anyone else. And then I'm like, oh, it's Dorothy. Thank God. And then, <laughs> and then that very last shot, you see his nose lean. And you're like, damn it. It's him. Like, it is him. He seemed like the perfect boyfriend. <laughs> and then he has to be a ruthless killer. And, and that's like, why he's got the ultimate mask. Yes, he does. Yes, he <laughs> does. But yeah, that's that was my, I think that was my, yeah, that was my ultimate theory for the whole movie. I don't even think, I forgot. There was something else I was going to talk about and I just forgot it. So that's okay. Did you write it down? <laughs> Probably, but I have to go sifting through my notes and I don't feel like doing that right now because I have like a stack of notes from like when I first wrote it. I and then I wrote it. So, but no, it's Sins of the Past. And it's the masks we wear. And I think, too, it's a lot of it's very relatable because I remember being because if it's 1988 and they're like 12 and it's 13 years later, they're all in their late 20s. I remember being that age. And like, it's still an age of like, you're still finding who you are. Like, I think the hardest ages to go through one was middle school, which on that. And the second one was early 20s. Yes. Like, it was awful being, like, in that stage after you get out of high school and you start college and everything and where they were at. It's like, you know what? They kind of touch base on the two worst periods you could go through. And with Adam's character, it's like, are they almost hinting at the fact that maybe if he was, like, a multiple personality and that, like, with his triggers from his past sins and that he's trying to be this Adam Carr and be this better person... But it's like, as you said, it's since from his past, and now he's offing all these people. And then once he uses and seeks his ultimate revenge with Dorothy, it's like, so is he going to change now? Is he not going to be that person anymore? Is nobody going to die ever again? Is it? Sometimes people just. I mean, I there's a difference. I think there's a difference between like running away from your problems and trying to reinvent yourself. And I do. I don't think. Adam was running away I think he was just I think he was the other person I think he was trying to reinvent himself maybe so maybe that's why he didn't want to admit that he was Jeremy Mellon maybe he didn't think Kate remembered Jeremy Mellon yeah but you know there's a big difference between like running away from your problems and thinking changing my name's gonna solve all my problems and moving away because in the end your problems are gonna follow you there there's a difference between like working through the problems which I'm assuming he did considering he had to go through a mental institution and obviously he can't get the job he had unless he went to college for journalism. So difficult job to get. (laughs) He had to do that and he reinvented himself. So I want, you know, like I think he was reinventing himself. So there's a big difference between the two. Like I would definitely put Dorothy in the category of trying to run away from that past instead of just pushing through and saying, yep, you know what? This is who I used to be. I'm still Dorothy. I'm still fun. I'm still this. I'm still that. And that was my past. And now this is my future. Instead, like she's the one who's trying to like really shove that past like way down and like hide from it as opposed to Jeremy Melton, who is 
really trying to reinvent himself and move on from this trauma that he knew wasn't true. Like he, he knows he didn't assault Dorothy. Maybe he was just trying to move through it and move on from it is I guess is what I'm trying to say. If that makes any sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. And I mean, it's one of those theories where you think about it and it's where I like where the points that you brought up where it's like, maybe he was moving on and he was past it and then he meets up with Kate again and then finds out wait you're still friends with these people and the biggest trigger probably would be Dorothy yeah Uh, why are you friends with this person she wasn't friends with you in junior high because I I didn't see any indication no her scenes that she was even friends with any of them yeah obviously you know he gets the ultimate revenge on her he does make her the villain like what she made me out to be yeah it would make perfect sense that that would be the trigger for him right then and that see let me see my revenge that he probably didn't even care about and which it makes you wonder is that what triggered the alcoholism in the first place too because kate didn't realize he was an alcoholic before so maybe he wasn't an alcoholic until he met kate and it triggered everything it could be but alcoholics are very, they're, usually people with substance use disorder, they're very good at hiding it. That's part of their, Rude. and not Rude. ruse. It's just, it's part of like, it, it's honestly it comes down to that they're ashamed of what yeah. they're doing because they know they shouldn't be doing it, but it's their coping mechanism. So they try to hide it in True. a way, like try to hide it. But he could have also been already in not remission that's not the word uh, recovery he could probably he might have already been in recovery maybe he went through the alcoholism maybe he went through the 12 steps maybe he said no I don't want to do this anymore but you make a good point maybe when he met Kate realizes she's still friends with these people not only that but with Dorothy especially Dorothy maybe he relapsed and started drinking again and that's why Kate had no clue is because he was actually in recovery and he was trying to yeah and moving through it and then People fall off the bandwagon and it happens. And the best thing they can do is get back on the horse and try to keep going. But I think for him, it was, you know, that was traumatizing to have. I mean, I can't even imagine being Jeremy Milton and being accused of something like that just because, you know, I mean, I was, I was bullied too. Like I was severely bullied to the point where like I was physically bullied. And I remember like my mom used to babysit a lot and she babysat these kids before and she would take us all get us on the bus and go to school and I remember one of the kids it was a brother and sister that she babysat and the sister was horrible to me Mm. like she would physically bully me and physically harm me and I remember even going to the school and being like dude like to my teachers like this is like ridiculous like I'm getting punched in the face and kicked and thrown into walls and like and their excuse was well her parents got divorced I'm like so I'm the punching bag because her parents got divorced and the worst part was my mom babysat this girl so I wouldn't tell my mom anything about what she was doing to me at school so weird when I hear stories like that because things like that happen so often in the past and it's one of those things where it's like brush it under the rug, brush it under the rug. It's nobody else's business, this and that. And it's like, that is something where the adults, like as soon as you come to them, it should be something dealt with and handled. And oh, 
I mean, just because they're, I mean, I get it. It's one of those things where we can feel sympathy for the person because yes, she's obviously acting out because of what's going on with her family and everything. But at the same time, it should be the adult's responsibility to be like, hey, you can't treat others like this. You can't be bullying somebody because you're unhappy with your own life. And it's the same thing with like what was happening with Jeremy and with Dorothy. It's just like, oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. And and again, too, of course, when I'm watching it this time around, I'm like, where are the adult adult brains? (laughs) (laughs) This kid's getting beat up and there's not an adult in sight. This is a junior high dance. Where were there should have been 10 adults. Yeah. There should be at least 10 people there. And there's no one there to protect this poor little boy. And but I know exactly how I mean I obviously didn't yeah, go out where and kill the, a bunch of people, but I yeah. know where he was coming from. Where were the parents to yeah. protect and take care of you when you were yeah. going through your situation? Yeah, so. but and and the even and I would say the hardest part now too is that they're they've gone to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Like my I feel bad that like my daughter could go into school one day and look at a girl's dress and be like, that's ugly. Not because she's mean or a bully, but because she has an opinion. Should she be saying her opinion? No. You not like that. Say no. with, you know, but to me, that's not bullying. That's just her not understanding that she should keep comments like that to herself, but she could technically be tagged as bullying. Now, if she said, just looked at a girl and said, your dress is ugly. And I'm like, we have to find a happy medium, people. Like, I'm not saying any kind of cruelty is okay, but you have to remember that these are also kids, and a lot of times when the things they say, they don't realize what they're saying. They don't even understand half the time what it means. Like, you know, my daughter says things to me where she's like, Mom, why are you so fat? And I'm just like, oh. well, thank you. Like, oh. uh, <laughs> and there I know she's a not show saying, about that. Right? About kids say the darnest thing. Yeah, because so. they just don't, they have no filter. There's no filter but there's a difference between like what I went through as a bullying what Jeremy went through and a yes. kid just being like your dress is ugly my shoes are ugly <laughs> you know like <laughs> you know but they can get tagged so we need to find a happy medium but no like this movie definitely was like I was a Jeremy Melton I definitely I mean I wasn't accused of assault but it's yeah. just the whole idea of like it's movies like this where you're like I don't want to side with the killer but I can at least see where they're coming from. Yes. Like you can kind of see where, you know, the progression is made and like why they might've done what they have done and like why they, and where their snapping point was and why they, mm-hmm. I don't know. What? I still love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when it came out. I still love it. I just, I don't know. I just think it was, I don't know. Like I said, I think everything about it was great. I think the idea is pretty cool. Like, a lot of people, like I said, this movie deserves more love. Like I said, like, the whole idea of, like, the cherub mask, for one. Like, it's not about the fact that it's surrounded by Valentine's Day and cherubs are cupids. And it's the whole idea of, like, he's using the mask of the cherub as, like, being metaphorically, like, against what it is like it's about you know cupid shoot that arrow and they fall in love with people and it's about love and all that but no this is a person who's using arrows to kill and it's a weapon you know, yep yeah and is hurting people so i think they purposely chose that cherub mask because it is completely a opposite of what a cherub really is it brings up the whole idea of again like sins of the past it's also showing not toxic masculinity but definitely like 
toxic relationships in general, like especially with the girls and their boyfriends and the men that they choose, but also their relationships in general, because you have like Kate, who seems to be, I guess the stable and smart one out of all of them. Yeah. yeah. Dorothy is, but then you have Dorothy who's very, she's toxic on herself. So she's not even kind to herself, but then you see how quickly she turns on her friends and is rude and mean to them, but then expects them to all show up at her party. Yeah. And then it doesn't give the same respect to her friends that she doesn't even give herself. Exactly. She expects it. But she, yeah, she yeah. expects it in return. You need to respect me. Cause she was like, you need to take that back about Campbell. And she's like, well, wh- why couldn't it be him? Like you just said it could be Adam, like on that same breath, like it could be Campbell. And she's like, take that back. And then when Vaughn like is like, well, what's his last name? And she's like, I don't have to take this crap. And you know, hubba baloo and all that. And then again, it's like, you know, the cherub also represents the masks that you know, we wear as people. And I think in general, like, I think a lot of times people do wear masks, you know, we are different. In in general, we are different who, from social media, who we are in real life, as much as there shouldn't be a difference. But there's, I am definitely on this podcast or hanging out with my friends, like when I went to drag ball last weekend, I am not that person when I have to walk into my classroom of, you know, eight babies, you yes. know, I, I have to be someone completely different. So I have to put on a mask of someone who is responsible and like literally going to swear all the time and drop the F-bomb every five seconds and, <laughs> and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think it represents, I think it's smart because it's also, it's bringing a lot of issues to light in a way that's like entertaining and fun and in a way, but still, excuse me like I say on my podcast all the time it's still bringing the the these issues to attention in a way that's entertaining so it's not shoving them in your face it's entertaining you but it's also saying like but these are things that are really going on in real life and you need to pay attention to this you need to pay attention to kids being bullied you need to pay attention to the things you've done and you need to and you should be apologizing for the things you've done honestly like what would have happened? Do you, do I think Adam would actually have killed everyone if he had just come out and said, I'm Jeremy Melton. And maybe Dorothy actually said like, Oh my God, I'm a piece of shit. I should have never done that and apologized." Sometimes a simple apology is all someone needs. And honestly, sometimes that's all that people want. Is yeah. They want an apology and an actual apology. Yeah. And owning up to what you did. Yeah. That's the whole, like, I just think this movie was a lot smarter than people give it credit for. And Mm -hmm. all they saw was just a quote, another dumb slasher that's trying to be like Scream. And I'm like, how is it trying to be like Scream in any way, shape, or form? This was not meta in any way. Like, there was no meta to it. I didn't get that either. (laughs) It wasn't (laughs) self-aware. I had a friend that brought that up the other day. It was, oh, this was trying to be Scream. And it's like, Jamie Blank's flat out said that he purposely was trying to not have it be he's like the one time that he broke the fourth wall was when he had that funny quip about kate when she brings up well he's no angel but blah 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 that was the one time <laughs> yep I, it in. I was like yeah he is angel i know angel, i see what you do <laughs> i know i did i caught him. i was like i saw what you did there <laughs> like because i watched yeah i was a buffy fan you know like I said, Davey, and I was a Bones fan too. So, 
Oh, he was so good in Bones. I, I mean, obviously, he was fantastic in Buffy and Angel, but Bones, it's just, yep, I, I love David, too. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but, sorry, I keep coughing and I feel bad. It's Sorry, this, guys. Weather, this back and forth weather and my sinus has been going crazy. So I get it. But no, I just, that's just what I want to say. If you haven't seen this movie, like I definitely say like, give it a chance. I think in a lot of movies, even after scream, and even if they are trying to be like another movie, you should still give it a chance. As long as it's not cut and paste of the same thing give it a chance. Like, I love the faculty. I love the idea that it is self-aware, but it's self-aware about science fiction and alien movies. Like, specifically talking about, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Like, you know, Urban Legend was... Urban Legend wasn't even self-aware. It was only self-aware about the Urban Legend part, which is stories that have been told for years. Like, these are stories coming from, like, the 50s and are coming out now. Like, these are, you you know, a friend of a friend's cousin's brother, you know, you told me drink coke with mentos and their stomach explodes <laughs> yeah like i'm like it's even if they are supposedly like you should still give them a chance because and again mm-hmm. if you start removing these layers you're going to realize that a lot of these movies they're different and even and even i guess this is dumb to say but even in a franchise like <clears throat> i bet if i actually sat down and watched like every single nightmare on elm street or every single friday the 13th I bet I could dissect and say like how each one is completely different from the other. And it isn't cut and paste that they're each talking about something completely different. I know that from a good example would be the alien movies. Alien one is about like how disposable um, you can be as an employee. It's like, you know, your employee looks at you, your employer looks at you as you're disposable. You know, aliens is about the military, you know, you're just, you're disposable there. And then Alien 3 is all about the treatment of people who are incarcerated. And then you have like Alien Resurrection. That's all about, you know, government experiments and how they can go wrong and how they think they can play God. So it's like every single one, they, you can think of them as cut and paste, but they're really different from one another. So even if the movie is supposedly post scream, give it a chance and watch it. It probably is different. What? Post scream? <laughs> I'm not saying Scream came out and it was amazing like I remember I think I actually saw that in the theater like I think I remember seeing that in the theater and being like completely blown away like this movie's great of course I was the one who was like loved Candyman and I loved you know like Leprechaun (laughs) so like I like all the movies you're like me where I'm like I love them all and I love how you put it every single time it's like it's doesn't matter what it is is that there's a horror movie out there for everybody to dive into and to love and to enjoy and it's like and yeah maybe if it did draw inspiration from scream and that what's wrong from that it's that if it's something like what it turned into and when you're thinking of the time frame of when it was and it was something that was so nostalgic to us because it's like wow this really exactly was what it was back then yeah that we look back on it and it's like yeah yeah that's that's exactly like what middle school and high school was you come back into now and it's like hey maybe we can use that as a lesson of hey let's teach our kids like 
your example with your daughter with the dress, now it's to the point where it's too extreme. Now we need to find a happy medium where it's like, if someone doesn't like a dress, let's not take it as an insult or a slight, but yeah, let's not look at a kid and be like, oh, your face is ugly. And it's like, no, 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 but let's not go there. Yeah, I'm just like, you don't have to say what's on your mind at all mm-hmm. times. But kids, they really don't have a filter. And it's yeah. even the same with, like, um, like I said, this movie I know is about, like, later in their 20s. But, like, I remember being later in my 20s and being, like, exactly where they were. So, of course, I didn't have a career. I had no clue where I was going. But I was still in that same state of mind of, like, you know, what do I want to do? Like, or do I want, you know, I want to find someone, I want to start a family, I want to do all these things. And I was in the same mindset as most of those girls at that time. That's why I said, like, I think they hit Erickson's isolation versus intimacy very well, because it is, you know, these girls are looking for love in all the wrong places, because they really want to find someone to spend their life with. And then you can also talk about how it's, you know, the early 20s is actually your emerging adult stage and the whole, what is it, from this end to this isn't even connected correctly. Anyway, no. so. Yeah, and it's so weird. <laughs> that it, way you make dumb decisions. Exactly. <laughs> it's literally so, what it is. My like, this isn't connected. That age. <laughs> like, so I can blame all my dumb decisions in my 20s because my brain wasn't fully connected. My rational part wasn't connected to my logical part to my you know impulsive part I'm like all right I got excuses but now I don't I'm 40 so I have no excuse I have no excuse now but yeah it's weird when you think about it and it's like god why did I do so much stupid shit in college and it's like oh that might be why (laughs) yeah we got something to blame but no I I'm glad I picked this movie. I just thought it was funny you did a review on it because I was like, oh, my God, I've totally decided. And I wasn't even going to do this movie. I think I don't now I don't remember what I had. I had something else completely in mind for this. And I was like, and I just happened to fall upon Valentine. I think I was I was looking something else up and it popped up and I was like, I love this movie. (laughs) And I'm like, it has romance. And that's my whole theme. So let's do it I'm like yeah and I was like this totally goes against me because I'm not that kind of usually I try to go against stuff like that you know but I was like but it's such a good movie and it fits the theme and I was like and I kind of have to do it because I love the movie so yeah I'm and then you see it. I do a review of it, and you're yeah. like, yeah, that's a sign right there. Pretty much. I was like, my friend did a review, so now we need to talk about this together. So everyone, can, plus I've been wanting you on my show anyway. So I'm so excited, yeah. It gave me such a great excuse. <laughs> <laughs> like, super excited. And next month, I'm actually doing Cronenberg, so. Oh, now I'm even more excited. Well, I'm always excited for your show if anybody's met me I'm always excited with it because it's like I love your show I might say it backwards sometimes because what did I say on my show the one day I'm like sinful Sarah's it is it's sinful Sarah's horror menagerie it's okay it it's all good because my stage or my stage name is Sarah Sin so it's kind of it, it's backwards but no next month I'm doing Cronenberg and I finally thought of my theme and I'm really excited because I was like of sound mind sound body and the manipulation of flesh perfect Cronenberg oh yeah because his birthday's in March so that's where you came up with I love yep. it <clears throat> yes sorry I thought my daughter was walking I thought the door opened I've been waiting for well I mean I've had I'm pretty sure she's passed out <laughs> I'm pretty sure but I'm <clears throat> sorry I keep coughing 
But before we I sign off, is there anything you wanted to plug? Anything else you wanted to talk about? Please plug your YouTube show. Okay. <laughs> so I've said before with here, I'm cosplayer, uh, Charcy Lux. I have my YouTube channel for Charcy Lux, which has three X's. I also have my Twitter, which is under the same name. The only difference is my Instagram, which is charcy87. I don't know if they won't let me do Lux with three X's because it's too, I don't know, sexual or something. But I God tried forbid. To, I don't know. <laughs> I've tried to change it to Charcy Lux so many times. And they're like, this already exists. I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, so it's charcy87 and Instagram. So. so yeah, just definitely watch her show it's pretty great i really had fun watching the um last one too not thank you <laughs> valentine's one but the my bloody valentine because i was like i love these movies especially thank with you. jensen ackles because i'm a huge supernatural fan i've seen oh, yes all jensen. 15 seasons so i'm he's, oh, so good. Oh, so hot we, we love talking about the pretty boys and i mean we love simon bakers <laughs> oh my god he's i can't believe that. <laughs> i forgot his name on my last episode i'm like <laughs> the hot guy from the mentalist and he was in the devil's wears Prada. But anyways, I loved him. But you... I will say again, I give him props. I didn't know this, but my friend Nathaniel said the reason why he did the movie was because he was a fan of Romero. And I was like, oh, a quote, A-list actor, actor, actor had enough respect of a horror movie director to want to be in this movie. So I'm like, I give you more props, Simon Baker. I'm single. You're single. We should get together. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been hilarious if you would have seen me at work, which I feel bad for my coworkers because I'm listening to your podcast and that scene came on. And normally when I'm listening to him, I'm totally quiet. And that part came up and you're like, I can't think of his name. And I'm like, Simon Baker. And my coworker looked at me and I'm like, oh, nothing. <laughs> Never mind. I just forgot his name because I, I drink into that night. I always do. I have to. It Just so y'all know, I always have a drink when I record my show. Every single time it helps me relax. It, it helps me actually be able to. Um, yes. I have to talk about a lot of things. So, all right. So, like I said, my friend Charzy, I'm glad you're on the show. I'm going to wrap it up for today. Thank you again for joining me here on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host, Sarah Sin. Thank you for sticking around as I discuss horror history, psychology, and mental health within horror movies. Thank you again for being on my show, Jersey. I'm so happy we finally got to talk horror together. Thank Yay! You. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. I've been meaning to for like ever. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you again for listening. And I just want to remind everybody that there's a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you. Thank you.